All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body. I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy. I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well? We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Hey guys, welcome to episode 16 of the Biohacker Babes. This is Lauren. I'm here with Renee. Today we are talking about sugar. Huge topic here and this is a very wide spectrum. And as we go along with these episodes, we will definitely get more specific and, and more narrow in our topics, but we're, we have to start with this huge topic of sugar because there's a lot to talk about and there's a lot of debate and controversy out there. And we think you guys really need to hear it. Everyone needs to hear it. So the big question is, do our bodies require sugar to function? The simple answer is no. So just to start us off, looking at the three macronutrients we receive from food, which are protein, carbohydrates, and fat. Protein is not useful really for energy. 
It's actually much better for muscle and tissue growth and repair. So let's just throw that one out for now. And then we have fat and carbohydrates. We now know because of a lot of research on this that we can use fat as fuel, especially when one becomes fat adapted. That's why we're seeing a lot of a lot about the keto diet in the news today. There is a lot of science and research backing that and it is all about using fat for fuel. So that's an option there. And then with our last macronutrient, carbohydrates, it gets a little trickier. So carbohydrates are your quickest source of fuel. And within carbohydrates, we have simple and complex. So sugar and carbs are kind of the same, but not exactly. So simple carbs are we, what we essentially call sugar. They're very simple in their, in their chain. So we're looking at sucrose, glucose, lactose, things like that. Complex carbohydrates are, are starches, which are formed by putting longer chains of sugars together which means that they are harder to break down. So when we're looking at carbohydrates, we really have to consider how much we're eating of the simple versus complex carbohydrates. And I think the problem here is that most of us are consuming or over-consuming simple sugars, and we don't even know it because it's hiding in so many foods, including those that are marketed as healthy foods. So Renee, I'll let you take this over about where sugar is in our diet. Being yeah, everywhere. I think, right, it's everywhere. I, I was so excited to do this topic this week because I just feel like if you're only going to make one change to your diet, focusing on reducing or eliminating the sugar should be it. I think, you know, with nutrition, obviously we can go down so many rabbit holes. It gets very complex, but if we just at the surface look at one thing to change, it's to look at how much sugar you're eating from maybe the obvious sources or the the hidden sources, but just to cut that out. You know, we see such a wide range of health benefits when we focus on this. So I kind of say it's like the biggest bang for your buck when it comes to healthy habits. So like Lauren said, we're going to just get into all, all kinds of details with this today. And, and just to kick it off with one statistic, we'll throw a bunch in the episode, but in 2017, the U.S. was ranked number one for highest average daily sugar consumption per person. And they said the average was about 25.28 teaspoons of sugar per day. And again, that's average. And like, I'm over here with maybe one teaspoon. So, you know, someone's holding up the average on the high end. <laughs> um, oh, wow. That's terrifying. And that was 2017. I would, I would put money down that it's worse in 2019. Yeah. It increases every year. Yeah. I heard like 10 years ago that the yearly average was at like 140 pounds of sugar per person a year. Oh my gosh. That's disgusting. Astounding. It is disgusting. Yeah. Oof. Well, yeah. I mean, 25 teaspoons a day, you do that every day for a year. It's a lot of sugar. Yeah. And a lot of weight gain. So I just want to plug Renee really quickly. We'll talk about this later in the episode, but she runs an amazing sugar detox. I love doing it alongside of her. We'll give you the details later, but I just wanted to give you a little preview that she has an amazing program to get these cravings out of your diet, just sort of clean house with that sugar. And we'll go into the reason why it's really necessary and beneficial to your body, but stay tuned for more. And also- 
<laughs> of course. Also, we are going to make this episode two parts because it's just such an enormous beast of a topic. So we're going to get through as much as we can today, but then stay tuned for part two, which will go into our personal experience with sugar, our favorite hacks, and we'll just continue the science. We're just going to shove it down your throat. So hang in there. We have a long, wild ride with sugar. Speaking of science, let's get to it. Let's talk about what happens when you consume sugar. So sugar at its simplest form, when it enters your bloodstream, causes an, a release of insulin. Insulin is the hormone that's going to help sort of handle or take care of the sugar that's coming in. Insulin tells your blood cells that it needs to convert the sugar into energy, as I talked about before. So carbohydrates, simple carbohydrates, which are sugar, can be used for energy in your body. So this is great if you're playing sports or working out, or if you've heard previous episodes, we talk about running from that saber-toothed tiger, like when you need quick bursts of energy and you need to access your glycogen, which, which is your sugar store, um, that sugar is, is an amazing quick source of energy. On the other side, if you're not engaging in high levels of activity, which is less energy expenditure, the excess sugar that's taken into your body is converted into fat tissue, which then turns to weight gain. So this is not even an issue of calories in, calories out. We're actually getting into like a hormonal disruption and an energy disruption because that energy is turning into fat. And because we're consuming 25.28 plus teaspoons of sugar a day, that is a lot of weight gain that is being added per year. Just so you know, insulin is a fat storage hormone, really, really important. So if you're, you're increasing that insulin, you're going to get more fat storage. And the problem gets worse. If you keep overeating the sugar, the body over time can become resistant to that insulin, the fat storage hormone, which leads to even more fat gain, weight gain. And it becomes a huge risk for not only diabetes, but cardiovascular disease, liver issues, cancer. It's, it goes on and on and on. And we'll go into that a little bit more. Anything you want to add there, Renee? No, I think that's great. Yeah. Just remembering that the role that insulin has and insulin is necessary. Like don't think it's, you know, the devil and we don't want any insulin. Like we need it to survive, but it's just all about the moderation of how much insulin we have. And I think insulin resistance is, is kind of scary. We want to prevent that at all costs because once that happens, it's a lot harder to turn around. Yeah. Thanks so much for adding that. That's great. Okay, so Biohacker Babes are here to tell you how this topic is going to make you hotter. I'm just going to run through the short list because we're going to expand on this. Number one, weight loss, as I already mentioned. Better skin is going to improve your sleep. We always like talking about our beauty sleep. Yes, it does help. You're going to get less inflammation, which is huge in the aging process. We love talking about inflammation here, the biohack babes, and there's a huge, huge, huge correlation between sugar and inflammation. Already repeating myself, it does accelerate the aging process. And we don't want that, right? There's so much anti-aging out there. People are buying so many products and using all this equipment to like reverse the aging process. Simple tool, cut out the sugar. That's it. So scientists have found that those who drink sugary drinks on a regular basis are actually shown to have much shorter telomere lengths than individuals who do not. 
So if you don't know, telomeres are essentially the caps that are at the end of our DNA strands. They protect our chromosomes, our DNA. And as we age, they sort of start to chip off, which goes hand in hand with the aging process. So the less telomeres you have, the older you are biologically. Anything else there, Nice. Yeah, I always like picture the telomeres as like the, you know, I've heard the analogy of, it's like the tip of your shoelace, you know, like the little caps at the end there. Plastic bit. Yeah, yeah. And so every, you know, every year, you know, it's splicing off and then the quicker that happens, the quicker we're aging. And and something kind of interesting to add in is the um think something called ages. So it's A G E S and it mm-hmm. stands for advanced glycation end products. And these this happens in the body when we combine like a lot of sugar um, bad fats. We're basically when we're like heating sugar in the body. So you think like ice cream and all that, all that junk. But when you look at the word, it's ages. So like it ages the Perfect. body. Yeah. <laughs> so advanced glycation end products. It's they're bad news. We want to prevent that as much as possible, and we do that by avoiding sugar. I love that analogy about the shoelace. <laughs> There's nothing worse than like losing that stupid little plastic bit. It seems so pointless <laughs> until it falls off and then like your shoelace starts spraying that. and it's like, it's over before you know it. <laughs> I'm going to think about that every time I tie my shoelace now. <laughs> yeah, the little, yeah, you're going to think about your telomeres. Yeah, and, and just like a quick side note, um, if anyone is interested in testing that, you can actually test your current telomere length and you can also test how quickly your telomeres are shortening. You know, I think I first did this test when I was 25, and it said I was actually the um, closer to the age of 18 biologically. So your biological age versus your chronological age. So if you want to see how quickly you're aging, or not, <laughs> it's always there. You did that test eight years ago? Where was I? And why didn't you tell me about it? Oh, gosh. I, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> I thought we were a team. <laughs> I was probably really, I was probably one of the younger people to do that test, but I yeah, thought it would so awesome. be fun to see. So. <laughs> so fun. I have not done it. I'm going to put it on my to-do list immediately. Okay. So Renee, tell us the negative effects of sugar. We're all holding our breath. What is it yes. doing? All right. So I think just to kick it off, Lauren, you had mentioned it's connected to so many diseases. And really, I think we can connect sugar to every disease if you really look at the root cause. You know, you want to think diabetes, Alzheimer's, we are now calling that type 3 diabetes because we know the effect of um, glucose and insulin on the brain. So Alzheimer's is a big one, cancer, heart disease. So a study was published that found that individuals had more than twice the risk of dying from heart disease if they consumed 25% or more of their total daily calories from sugar. So that's just like overall risk of dying. Yeah. And then another really interesting study connecting it with diabetes was that the study looked at over 300,000 participants. I mean, it was a pretty big study, but those that consumed one to two servings of sugary beverages per day had an increased risk of 26% for developing type two diabetes. And that's just looking at drinks. I mean, I'm sure they were eating other sugar too, but um, that's huge. So it's profound. Yeah. yeah. We'll, We'll have to share these studies with you in the show notes because stuff is really powerful. Yeah. So definitely for overall disease risk, sugar is a huge component of that. Um, Also, we know sugar increases nutrient depletion. So not only are we eating these sugar-filled foods that typically don't provide any nutrients, right? They're just 
calories with no nutrients along with it. But in order for your, your body to process and metabolize sugar, it actually has to burn through a lot of really essential nutrients, especially like our B vitamins, magnesium, calcium. Um, so you're losing vitamins and minerals by eating sugar. So it's even worse than just the, you know, nutrient depleted food. Mm-hmm. We also know that it increases inflammation, right? We're always talking about inflammation. And I think that could be the connection with so many of these diseases at the root of most of these is inflammation and sugars connected with that. And we can even see this on blood tests. So if we look at uh, CRP, C-reactive protein, we can definitely see a correlation with diet there. And when we have extra inflammation in the body, we see a lot of hormonal effects. So things like PMS, PCOS, PCOS is strongly linked with sugar um, and even infertility. So a lot of hormonal issues you'll see there. Um, We also know it disrupts sleep. So insomnia and just unrestful sleep. I think part of that is just the blood sugar roller coaster that can happen through the night when you're eating too much or too little sugar uh, during the day. Amazing. Sorry, I just want to jump into about PCOS. I'm so glad you brought that up because how many women run to their gynecologist when they start having those symptoms, they're diagnosed with PCOS and they're just put on a pill to fix it. And what an easy fix to look at your sugar and inflammation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, PCOS can definitely be controlled through diet. So it's not, you know, end all be all, just take a drug for it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, We also see a lot of mood disorders, so depression, bipolar, mood swings, uh, schizophrenia, all of these are connected, I think, more to the blood sugar swings. I think we've all had that like crash in the afternoon where we're hangry and cranky, you know, that's mostly from that blood sugar dropping too low. Yeah, Lauren, do you want to jump into a couple more of the effects of sugar? Yeah. Okay. Sugar is really addictive. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think anyone would argue against that. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, a lot of us have probably heard sugar is just as addictive as cocaine and heroin, which sounds like a really dramatic statement, but let's talk about what it's actually doing. So it's, it's acting on your neurotransmitters and our, well, it's our opioid receptors, which cause a surge of dopamine, right? That happy hormone that we get. So when we experience feelings of bliss, like if we're, we're joyful or if we, uh, eat something that makes us feel good. You know, it's good feelings in the body. You get that surge of dopamine. The problem is when we act on those receptors that cause the surge is we're not getting the natural balance of neurotransmitters. So normally with a surge of dopamine, you're also getting a GABA release, which is your relaxing hormone. So you're getting a surge of dopamine, no GABA. And so over time, you're actually going to get a deficiency in those neurotransmitters, which creates an addiction right? So you have a deficiency and then your body needs so much more of it to come back into balance. So that's an interesting factor when you're looking at moderation diets or like just trying to have a little bit of sugar. It's very similar to drugs and alcohol where moderation may not work for some people because it goes so much deeper. It's not just about willpower. We're actually getting into real hormone and neurotransmitter imbalances. And sometimes you cannot just willfully act against that. So that's a huge one. It is very addictive. Uh, Short term, you can have a lot of random things that happen like acne. Oh gosh, this is a big one. Like sugar will come out and show itself on your skin. Acne, rashes, mood swings, fatigue. Yes, we're going to see that. 
um, not just emotional fatigue, but muscle fatigue. Again, the food addictions in all forms, PMS symptoms, and then you have like reduced immune function. So susceptibility to colds and flu, unrestful sleep, like this stuff can happen very, very quickly after consuming sugar. So another bit of information from a study, consuming 100 grams of sugar can suppress your white blood cell function by 40% for at least five hours. So as we go, to, go into cold and flu season, this is a major, major, major one to look at and pay attention to. Do not consume sugar. It is going to make you so much more susceptible to catching something. Yeah. I think like you said, around the holidays, when you look about like, look at cold and flu season, when so many people are getting sick, it's like we have Halloween, tons of sugar, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, Valentine's day. <laughs> it's just like nonstop sugar. So. Honestly, when is there not sugar? I mean, I guess there's like a brief pause during the summer when everyone's, <laughs> you know, freaking out about bikini season, but like yeah. then everyone's drinking rosé and now like there's this frosé, which it's not even <laughs> rosé. It's like all this other liquor and sugar and crap in there. Like 365 days a year, there is a reason to consume sugar. It's ridiculous. True. True. But yeah, it's not worth it if it's going to suppress your immune system. Yeah. So that's short-term stuff. And then long-term, which is even worse because sometimes you don't have these symptoms for years and years and years, but they've already wreaked havoc inside in your, your organs and systems. But we see adrenal dysfunction, Alzheimer's, as we already mentioned, anemia, eczema, psoriasis, depression is a long list, anxiety, insomnia, insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, myelopathy, neuropathy, PCOS, infertility. It goes on and on and on. Is cancer on there? No, cancer. Can't miss cancer. Here's a study. Over 10 years, individuals with high blood sugar had a much faster cognitive decline rate than individuals with normal blood sugar range. So this is actually kind of taking us in the biohacking sector. The way that your body responds to taking in sugar, which is your blood sugar response, is super important here. So those who suffered from type 2 diabetes at the beginning of the study were actually twice as likely to develop Alzheimer's disease than healthy individuals. Also, they found that individuals with higher blood sugar levels have more brain plaques. Ugh. Yeah, I have to say that's one of my biggest reasons for staying away from sugar is just to protect my brain. That's huge. Yeah. Also, well, because we both have the genetic SNPs that make us predisposed to that disease. So even more important of a reason to look at your own genetics and see what you are predisposed to. Anything else there? Yeah, no, I just on the Alzheimer's thing, I think a side note, as far as cutting sugar out, you have to find a good why, right? I'm hoping some of these things we're listing off are resonating with you, whether it's, you know, diabetes runs in your family or obesity or like us, Alzheimer's, you have to find like a bigger why as to why you want to stay away from it. Cause otherwise I think it's a little too tempting. But again, for me, my number one is my brain. I need my brain to work all day, every day for as many years as possible. Right. Yeah. So that's why I stay away from sugar. So our goal here today is to scare the shit out of you with all of these studies. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and then you'll find a why at the end. <laughs> no, but it, like, it's kind of important. The knowledge is really important because I think so much 
so many of us think we can get away with sugar because we don't understand the correlation. We don't understand what it's really doing to our body. We don't correlate that we have PCOS because of sugar. We don't correlate that we have acne because of sugar. We don't think we have mood swings because of sugar. Like there's so much science that puts these things together. And I think once you have that knowledge, then there probably is a little more fear surrounding your intake of sugar. And then hopefully we can cut back a little bit. Right. So as Renee yeah. said, finding that why is so huge. Yeah. And, and hopefully it's empowering and not just, you know, a scare tactic. Fearful. Totally. <laughs> Thank you for mentioning that. Yes. We're all yeah, we don't. We don't want you to be scared about this stuff, but yeah. No, just know that you can make a difference. I mean, how cool is that, that you can have an impact on all of these things just by changing your diet? I think that's absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Next up, debate and controversy. Dun, dun, dun. All right. So we know that we all hear athletes need sugar, right? You see like these triathletes with these little glucose packets and all kinds of sugary junk, but there's a lot of good research showing that athletes can actually fuel with fat. And I know I've mentioned this before, a great resource is Mark Sisson. He also wrote a book called Primal Endurance, talks all about becoming fat adapted in order to be an athlete. So that's, you know, something to think about. Also, we always hear that our brain needs sugar. The brain runs on glucose, but we can actually also use ketones for brain energy. And a uh, quick fact, the ketogenic diet actually came about because this doctor discovered that with his patients that had epileptic seizures, when he put them on this very restrictive low-carb, high-fat diet, what we know as the ketogenic diet, he was able to control their seizures. So by switching the brain's fuel from glucose to ketones, they were able to eliminate the seizures. So that's kind of how the ketogenic diet came about. But Mm -hmm. Um, something interesting to think about. I think another funny debate, you know, I say everyone knows sugar is bad, right? Like, I think we all know that there's just so many other issues like of how to control it, where it's hiding and all of that. I I guess, sorry to jump in, but I I think that some athletes and, and people in that world either refuse to believe it, or maybe they really don't know. Like, why do so many athletes and sports teams still have like a Gatorade sponsorship? Like people are making, uh, is money. it really just the money or money, do they money, money. believe it? <laughs> but I really think there's still a lot of research out there saying that sugar is okay for athletes because if you're moving at high levels, you have high levels of activity that your body can handle the sugar. But mm, there, are, I yeah. think there are other ways to get it. Like you, if you really are exercising and performing at such a high level, there's other ways to replenish your glycogen and to get quick sources of fuel. I mean, including the keto diet, but just like for taking in quick sugar, it doesn't have to be in the form of like toxic Gatorade. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe it's just a lack of, lack of knowledge and, and the money yeah. issue, I think. I mean, you look at someone yeah. like Tom Brady, he's, you know, he doesn't eat sugar, gluten, dairy, whatever, because um, he knows it affects his game. So I think some yeah. athletes are tuning into that. Which is totally. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we're in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think there's another big debate over artificial sweeteners. I think we're moving in the right direction with this. More people are becoming aware, but you know, we've talked about this before. We're still seeing like Splenda and Sweet and Low and all that crap at like coffee shops and on tables at restaurants. Um, like get rid of that stuff. The the sucralose, the aspartame. There, there's just so many studies linking these to a disruption in the gut microbiome, cancer, uh, early death brain cognitive issues. I don't know why there's a debate over this. It should just be so clear to everyone that we need to cut it out. 
Okay, sorry. Getting off my soapbox. <laughs> yeah, well, and we've talked about that before. You mentioned yeah, you post-it notes with little notes saying <laughs> that it will kill you or causes cancer. And yeah, you know, when I go to Starbucks, I like swipe that stuff in the trash. When wait, but I wonder if you putting it in the trash is making the company think their sales are going up. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I don't know. I just had that thought. They're like, wow, that Starbucks uses a lot of sweet and low. <laughs> we should restock. Yeah. I mean, I have thought about that, the big picture there. <laughs> I guess I just get so mad when I, I see know. it that I'm not really thinking rationally. I'm just like, no one in this store can have this. Right. <laughs> Eliminate it. But you're true. I'm sure like <laughs> stock just keeps increasing because they're going through <laughs> so much product. They're like, man, that Starbucks in Midtown is really <laughs> our biggest supplier there. Yeah. Our biggest buyer. Yeah. All right. I'll pull back for my rage <laughs> trash dumps. Oh man. Yeah. So I think that's some, some good debate. I don't know, Lauren, do you have any other controversy? No, I just think, yeah, that artificial sweetener one. And again, it's just like a matter of education. Like there's still so many people that don't realize or, or don't trust that it's really actually harming their body. Like, you know, I've had some people be like, well, you don't really know that. And I don't care. I'd rather like die young, like having had a lot of fun and enjoying my food, but Ooh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where to go from there. There, there's plenty of research proving the dangers of this stuff. Oh my gosh. Just go on it. PubMed for one second and you'll find too much information. Oh yeah. I think all of the answers are on PubMed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of hidden sugar sneaking into people's diets. I mean, even if you are accepting the sugar if you're, you know, just pounding these carbs after a workout, like a donut or cookies or, you know, enjoying birthday cake or dessert out. I mean, so much of it is conscious, but I think there's really, really a lot of hidden sugar that we don't even know. And what I see that the most in is like, quote unquote, healthy protein bars. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. They're bad. There's so much sugar in protein bars. And just for fun, I was comparing like really popular protein bars with Dunkin' Donuts donuts, and the sugar content is the same. It's the same in a lot of these protein bars. I constantly have clients asking me like, what's the best protein bar? And yeah, I could give you an answer, but honestly, my biggest answer is that is not real food. And it's an emergency food, right? So if you really, really, really cannot get real food in, before or after a workout and go listen to our pre and post workout nutrition episode. Lots of information there. If you can't do it in an emergency, okay, but like check for quality ingredients and we can recommend some of our favorites, but this is an emergency food. This is not real food. This is not where you're really going to get those nutrients in. And you can do better. We can all do better. I'm not saying that I never have protein bars. I absolutely do because I'm busy. We're all busy, but just know like you have to hold yourself to a higher standard and eat real food because there's nothing better than that. Yeah, totally agree with that. Emergency situations and yeah, watch the sugar in them. And like you said, I think like I hear this all the time from clients like, oh no, 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 I don't eat any sugar. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's great. Let's walk through like a typical day of what you're eating. And they're like, well, for breakfast I have oatmeal with dried cranberries and honey and strawberries. I'm like, it was already 25 grams of sugar. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, this is only meal one. So I think just that awareness of uh, like what sugar is and where it's sneaking in is so important. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Side note. <laughs> so, and then, I mean, not even in like the so-called healthy foods, but like soda products, juices, uh, soda companies, like we've known this for a very long time. Like soda companies are putting a lot of crap into their bottles and a big one is salt. They put so much salt in their recipes to make you thirstier. And then you know how they cover it up so you don't know that there's salt. They're putting more sugar. So what you end up with is a bottle of high sodium and high sugar, which just makes us want more and more and more. And you can see like just looking at Coca-Cola, for instance, over the years, like those bottles have just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. It's really oh, crazy. <laughs> So we're like, in the early 1900s, we ate an average of 15 grams of sugar per day. And now adolescents, this is actually like a, an older study, but I think I already mentioned this. Adolescents are consuming 72, oh no, I mentioned the pounds per year. But grams per day, adolescents are consuming an average of 73 grams per day of sugar. Mm. It's really awful. I'm sure it's much worse everywhere. now though. Yeah. Yeah. Soda, juice. I think juice is the worst because juice has a, an association with a healthy food. And that includes green juice, like all of these green juice bottles that are everywhere in like healthy grocery stores. Check the sugar. Just because it has fruits oh, and vegetables yeah. in it does not mean that it's sugar-free. And it certainly doesn't mean that it's not having an impact on your blood sugar response. Yeah. And actually, so when I have set up a table about my sugar detox at like health fairs and stuff, I'll usually get two bottles of green juice, one that's really low in sugar and one that's insanely high in sugar. And I have people guess, and then like whoever guesses the closest will win a prize. But the higher one, I, I'm going to help you guys cheat for the next time, but the higher one is 85 grams. <gasps> In a bottle of green juice? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Can you disclose what the brand is? <laughs> oh, shoot. I'm trying to remember what that one... That one might have been the Adwala oh. or Boat Boathouse. I don't know. I'd have to go back because I've, I've done a couple different ones. And then usually the low one will be like the Suja or some brand like that. But sure. Yeah, Such a spectrum. Crazy. I mean, people can yeah. be turned on to green juice and not know the difference because I think a lot of like green. really big grocery <laughs> stores, yeah, I see Boathouse and Adwala and that's like the only option. Like if you go to a, a Giant or a Safeway, those are East Coast grocery stores. Uh, yeah, it's, and you're not going to find those at your smaller organic markets or even Whole Foods that you have to shop around because there's just, there's so much out there. Yeah, and nothing worse than seeing someone that thinks they're doing something healthy and they're actually doing more harm. That's like the most upsetting thing for me. I know, you know what I mean? but they're trying. We just need to- They're trying, yeah. Educate and yeah. empower. Yeah. Keep going in that direction. Absolutely. Renee, do you want to talk about blood sugar? Because there's a whole other side of this conversation that really gets into the biohacking component and making this personal. Yeah, I love talking about the causes for sugar cravings because I think when you can recognize these, it will help you cut out sugar um, much easier. So a good quote to think about is, what you just ate is going to impact what you eat next. Wow, that's so true. Right, right. So what you're eating for breakfast is setting you up for your snack or your lunch. So that's why I always go back to saying breakfast is the most important meal of the day. It's really setting you up for that steady blood sugar control all day rather than that roller coaster that we typically see with a lot of the popular breakfast options, right? We see cereal and bagels and muffins and donuts. Like 
honestly, the worst time to eat that stuff is in the morning. And unfortunately in the U S that's like our go-to breakfast. So yeah. in other um, countries around the world too. I mean, yeah. I'm trying to think like when I went to Spain, I had a really hard time finding eggs for breakfast. It was like everything was like quick and on the go. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe just everything there has shifted a little bit later in the day, but I want real savory food in the morning because that makes me feel so good. So, I mean, obviously it's the biggest problem in the U.S., but we have to really reframe what a breakfast food is because everyone thinks that, yeah, white and brown food is the only way to go. But you can eat chicken soup for breakfast, you guys. And vegetables, even green ones. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So think about it this way. So at breakfast, you eat a high sugar meal. So your glucose goes up and then the insulin gets released to bring that blood sugar out of the bloodstream to protect you. But typically the pancreas will release too much insulin and then it causes this rapid drop in blood sugar, which ends up being that hypoglycemic state where you're maybe dizzy, cranky, hangry. You know, we've probably all experienced that. So what do you do when you hit that low point? You go for sweets, uh, carbs, coffee—you know, something to bring you back up—and then the roller coaster is back up, and then it drops again, and you can just picture that throughout the whole day. So we want to really just prevent that roller coaster the best we can, and I think the best thing you can do is that breakfast filled with protein, good healthy fat, and that's going to prevent that uh, yo-yo situation. And you know, in the long term, if we do this constant roller coaster, we actually see that it will affect the adrenal glands because when you hit that low point. Your body thinks it's an emergency because, I mean, it technically is. You could die if your blood sugar went too low. So the yeah. adrenal glands release cortisol. It says, hey, this is an emergency situation. I'm going to come in. I'm going to try and raise your blood sugar, but we got to get food immediately. And that's what causes us to crave the sugar. So over time, that can actually cause chronic fatigue. So we want to prevent that as well. So yeah, just think about that roller coaster. Um, slow and steady throughout the day is the best way to go. Another cause I think is interesting is I I think there maybe is a genetic component here because I have noticed over the years, I have some friends that just love sweets. I mean, I think there's so many other issues we'll get into with that. But then I have other friends that are like, I have literally never craved sweets my entire life. So I think there's some component from our genes there, um, maybe that affect our taste buds and make us crave more sweets or bitter, et cetera. Yeah, I've seen that in like genetic snips, like 23andMe. It says like, I have a predisposition to prefer salty over sweet. Some people Mm. are the opposite. Yeah, yeah. So I think just knowing that can be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, because if you are a a sweet person, you're predisposed to prefer the sweet. Uh, That's a really tough one because the more sweet you taste, the more sweet you crave, right? We talked about that addiction And so if you keep going in that direction, this trains your body to just crave more and more sugar over time. And so not only is that creating metabolic and hormonal havoc, but you're desensitizing your taste buds. So you're just going to want like more and more and more. It's like such a a spiral in that, in that way. Yeah. Um, Can I jump in? Something I think is really helpful with my 21 day sugar detox is for 21 days, you're literally not tasting anything sweet. So like even minimal fruit, no stevia, monk fruit, uh, what we would maybe consider a healthy sweetener. And people were like, but why? I don't understand why you do that. And it's it's literally to retrain your taste buds by not tasting that sweet for 21 days. 
Then we add in like a cup of strawberries at the end and you're like, oh my God, these are so sweet. <laughs> it's the sweetest um, thing ever. Yeah. 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 So it's all about retraining. So it's not like 21 days of this sucks, right? <laughs> it's like, there's a lot of habit forming and training going on. So um, yeah, you can change your taste buds. It just takes a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I love seeing that in people that eat a lot of sweets compared to people that don't eat a lot of sweets. Like you can eat the same piece of chocolate and one person will be like, Oh my God, that's so sweet. And other people will yeah. be like, what do you mean? It's not sweet at all. That's yeah. just, yeah. That's that the desensitization. Wow. I totally botched that word. Desensitization. <laughs> your I taste heard it. Buds. Just blah, sugar havoc right there. <laughs> um, yeah, so okay. Nice. So taste buds. We also see uh, Renee mentioned poor gut microbiome. So oh, this is really nasty. Sugar feeds yeast and bad bacteria in the gut. And these pathogens become really demanding. So you feed them and they just like get stronger and stronger. They're like, yes. And they like sort of build this army. We've talked about your gut army before. And they, in addition to your neurotransmitters being deficient and balanced, these gut bacterias or these pathogens can be stronger than your willpower. So sometimes like no matter how strong you are and saying, I'm going to not, I'm going to cut this out cold turkey, black and white. I'm not going to have it. They can overpower you. And it's, it's kind of a bummer, but you can support the healthy bugs with prebiotic fiber and a wide variety of not only healthy, but real foods is the key word, real food. So, and Renee's detox really helps with that to, to reset your microbiome in that way. One last reason for cravings, stress. We see this so often when you're stressed, like you're getting a depletion in those happy hormones. And I think people first and foremost love to reach for food, especially sugar. One, because you get that quick burst of energy and then you get this surge of dopamine. So you have to find a way to offset stress. It's really hard to break this habit, but taking a pause and acknowledging your stress and then going a different direction. Like it is so automated for most of us to just grab for something sweet. But a lot of the times if you check in with people, say like, uh, well, how did that feel afterwards? They'll go, well, it made me feel like crap. Yeah. Well, you know what doesn't make you feel like crap? If you lean into meditation, gratitude journaling, EFT, which is emotional freedom tapping, which will sort of disassociate those habits, taking a walk. I'm even going to throw in like having a glass of water, just walking away from that stress instead of leaning in by reaching for those foods, especially the sweet foods, because it's just going to set up that blood sugar roller coaster, an emotional roller coaster. It's going to wreak havoc in your microbiome, and it's going to start you on that journey towards long-term negative effects. So it could be mental or physical stress. It doesn't really matter, but either way, it's going to throw off your blood sugar control. And we don't want to get to that place where you feel out of control, your body feels out of control, because it's so much harder to get back. Yeah. If you have that craving, just go sit and take a couple of deep breaths before you run to the kitchen. <laughs> God, it's the hardest thing to do. Like I feel yeah. all of you right now that are cringing at that advice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it takes yeah. practice, which is another Absolutely. reason why the 21 day sugar detox is really helpful because I think one, you get the accountability Two, you have lots of support. You have the science and the knowledge and you have a goal and it's not like 21 days is not that long. Um, no, it goes so fast. Yeah. So it's really helpful in retraining those habits. 
Okay, so I know that was a lot of science. We really want you guys to understand this process of what sugar is, what it's doing to your body, and how we can start to enact positive change to make you healthier. Um, and again, we're going to talk more about the sugar detox, but we are going to end part one. And then in the next section, part two, we're going to go into our personal experience and some hacks, including the sugar detox, so you guys can get this journey started. But in the meantime, I just want to throw out like in a really amazing resource for you guys if you want to jump on YouTube. This is one of my favorite bits of education that I found online. There is this doctor, he's a professor at a college or university in California, Robert Lustig. He did this documentary, it's called Sugar. Well, it's actually just a talk that was put on YouTube. It's called Sugar, The Bitter Truth. And there's some really amazing stats and he really breaks down the science behind sugar, even way deeper than what we did today. So if you want something to just like sit on the couch and tune into until next time, it's there for you. Okay, so just close out part one, check out that YouTube video. And then we will see you next week. So we are going to kick off part two with our top tips to get you started on pulling the sugar out of your diet. We're going to go into personal experiences, what we learned, and then we're going to share our favorite biohacks with you guys. And last but not least, we have tons of Q&As to answer about sugar. We will hit those at the end of the next episode. So please tune in next week. Thank you for joining us. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. Bye.